0: You think they're going to cancel it over Golf Digest's uh, thing about who has the hottest girlfriend on tour?
1: What? That? Yeah. That's bad. It's just such an unnecessary question.
2: Who do they vote for number one?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: it's so unnecessary. Here Please goes, don't use Who's recording? number one?
3: <laughs> Alrighty, boys. In our notes, Tony said we're flying by the seat of our pants this week, and I think that is the best way to fly because we're taking your Twitter responses and we're putting it out there. We're going to talk about the worst golf purchase you've ever made. We're also going to take a look at John Barber's article about Wilson from this week and then talk some tour shakeups. You guys ready? Let's get it. Let's get it.
0: No putts given is powered by My Golf Spy, the most extensive reviews in golf. Before you buy, My Golf Spy. Nine million readers do it every year. Check us out.
3: Alrighty, we've got Adam, Harry, and Tony with us this week. I'm Miranda. And guys, right off the bat, I think this one's gonna be fun. We put a question out on Twitter about the worst golf purchase anyone has ever made. So we'll start right Here in the room, what do you think, Harry? What's the worst golf purchase you've ever made?
2: Me personally,
3: yeah, that's you, right? You're you
2: taking my golf by position as soft goods. <laughs> you stole my answer. I don't know, I I don't think I've um, ever had a dumb purchase. Apart from, we did, I did purchase one thing which was the euro wedge where you what's pee that? into oh, if, the euro club, the euro club. That's it.
3: You did, wait, what?
2: So if you're <laughs> If you get caught on and you need to go for a pee and uh-huh. there's no woods around, you literally just pull out this club from your bag and pee in the end of it.
3: Oh, so it's not a club that you use.
0: I hope not.
2: <laughs> it's a way to hide
0: your wanker so no one can see it while you pee. Exactly. Bingo. With it, it's
2: got a little curtain and everything.
0: Which is interesting <laughs> to me because you're on a golf course mostly and like you have a lot of trees, yeah, a lot of woods. Why do you need a club? And then what do you do with it after you're done? You, just, I, you dump it
2: somewhere <laughs> in the hole that you just double bogeyed.
3: Did you ever use it? I have not, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Adam, how about you? Worst purchase?
2: Um, well,
0: instead of doing my worst purchase, I figured I would cover some of the great answers that people gave to the question Okay. of the worst purchase ever, which I thought some of them were hilarious. Yeah. Um, so we'll go down the list and see down memory lane for everybody and um, see if any of these bring up any memories for you. So the first one, which you know I know is going to hit Tony, in a personal spot and that's the he loves 64 degree wedges but this was the 72 degree bomb tech wedge. <laughs> oh god, oh tony what do you think about that
1: like there was i think <laughs> was it was it feel that made one too like this <laughs> like super it's basically just a spatula like i, I don't know that's a That's sort of like an, I give up, I I can't hit it in the air club, let me just try this. I don't know. I just
0: don't know who the hell would have bought a 72 wedge, but the Bomb Tech on top of that, like, you got to pull the pin on the Bomb Tech driver, I mean, then they came out with a 72 degree wedge.
2: (laughs) I I would flinch every time I hit it, just in case it did hit me in the shins. Or or the face. (laughs) Or the face, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, then the next one was the Hammer driver, because everyone's acts like they didn't actually buy that, but a lot of people bought that driver. Pow.
1: The well, the infomercial was very convincing. I mean, the dude was hitting balls over mountains, man.
3: It was an infomercial.
2: <laughs> yes, like, it was
0: an infomercial was, of a driver.
2: It was hollow. Yeah, the whole it's
0: just a face basically.
3: Just a face. You gotta question uh, anything on infomercials.
2: It's like the the Uncle
1: Rico of of go- <laughs> of golf.
0: That came from <laughs> long dot drivers on Instagram. Uh, the next one was the Opti which was. Definitely, and he's right. The worst simulator in the market by far.
1: Oh, but it was like it was like so early into the game. I don't I don't know what your expectations were, man. That's like <laughs> I don't know. The
0: next one we can all blame Hank Haney for: soft spiked golf sandals. Thank you, Hank.
3: <laughs> I'm getting a visual. <laughs> it came
0: from T. Nestor 77. Um, Harry, I think, started my gospel. He came in with some Crocs with some spikes on them, or spikeless Crocs.
2: Yeah. 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 They were in the test before I came here, and I was like, why are they here? Don't.
1: You can't. Don't talk shit
2: about Crocs, man. Yeah, maybe they're not right for the golf course. I think we have some that I can send to you, and then I want to see a picture of them. Are you a Crocs
3: loyalist, Tony?
2: I I
1: love... I mean, so I have a big patio, and I got to go downstairs at all hours of the day and night with the dog, so... Oh, it's a tough life. I have a patio. So just something that you can throw on your feet and go. Like, I don't... If I'm being brutally honest, like I, I don't, I don't wear them out places for the most part. But <laughs> yeah. for knocking around the house, my wife just got a pair of like insulated Crocs, you know, like lined Crocs. Without <laughs> the whole, he secretly holes in likes
2: them. these. Yeah, his face is really yeah, happy. no,
1: it's. I mean, it's for what it is. It's a great little product. Don't don't diss Crocs. Like you know, don't don't wear them out to a nice restaurant either. But I mean.
0: <laughs> or or play golf in them. But anyway, yeah. The next one is a is something that Harry is before his time, but. Rob Hess 11 said the Callaway C4 driver which possibly might be one of the worst drivers ever created. Was that the non-conforming one? No, that was the ERC. Uh uh-huh. C4 was their first carbon fiber.
1: Oh, was, that was the sound issue, right? Just Yeah. It was yeah. terrible.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The next one is any Warrior golf club that was ever sold. But,
2: <laughs> money back guarantee. I mean <laughs> That is uh, true. Yeah, I guess they didn't make any money and lost it on shipping.
0: Oh, Nike golf shoes. I agree with this guy. Uh, Nike golf shoes suck for the most part. Uh, I don't know who invented, who designed most of them, but whoever did does not play golf. Lunar controls were good. The rest of Nike golf shoes suck.
1: Yeah. Like it was like the, the, the early ones were, were bad. The lunar stuff was pretty good. And then once you get kind of into the Hey, we're gonna make sneakers into golf shoes. That's again where you kinda go mm. Yeah, I
0: yeah, feel like no. I'm on a basketball court, but I'm supposed to be on a golf course and I
2: mean I feel like you guys are answering the questions that the person who's the expert in this industry <laughs> I'm sorry. doesn't have any <coughs> opinion. I'm at sorry, all.
0: Tony and I aren't experts in this industry. What yeah. what would you say about the no, next? I don't agree. Every, you say, everything okay, you just you said? You agree, you agree, you agree. <laughs> and then the pure spin diamond face coated driver and wedge, which I loved. Is that made with real diamonds? It was, and I think it still to this day is one of my favorite wedges of all time.
1: To each his own, I guess. Can I tell you? Can I tell you like the two dumb things I did? Yeah. I mean, in, in some respect, I was fortunate because I tripped and fell into the golf industry pretty early, so I wasn't wasn't buying a lot of stuff. But my first kind of my first year or two playing, I went out and it was you know heavy research product, right? What is everything I need to play this game? So I bought I bought clubs and a bag and balls and shoes and all this stuff. Then I bought iron head covers, which, you know, Ooh. mock away. I didn't keep them on very long, but that's not even the worst of it.
2: My dad has the same things.
1: So I realized I needed ball marker, right? You got to mark your ball. I need ball markers. So I bought, I think it was a thousand logo overrun golf ball markers. The one with from- the
2: plastic and the little, the little spike in there. Yeah.
1: But like they're all overrun, so there's like I've got them, and like it's a whole bag of different logo ball markers. I bought I bought a thousand of them. I would estimate I have something like 994 of them left. So
0: <laughs> I think we just found the title of this episode, and that is Tony Covey, the editor. Mike Osby uses iron covers. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and, I d- and
2: plastic vents.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do not use markers. iron covers. I at one point purchased iron covers.
3: He tried them out.
2: Yeah, you need to, you need to put them in the hot water and then put them on your club straight away so they mold to your clubs. Dead serious. That's how that's how the, that's how they're supposed to work. Suddenly, I'm, I'm
1: not the worst guy in this conversation.
2: <laughs> <laughs> My dad did it. I, f- I looked at I was like, what are you doing? He said, that's how you get them on there so they don't fall off.
1: So like, like mouth guards, huh? You just got to heat them up and mold them.
3: That's what I was going to yeah. say. Or like when you get new soccer cleats, you wear them in the shower. In the same vein, what's the wackiest thing you've ever seen someone else doing on a golf course? Oh, Kind of, you know, like those videos that you'll see of people misusing the gym equipment. Same thing on the <laughs> golf course. Have you ever seen that?
2: I've seen some wacky swings. Yeah, a
1: lot of it is just weird swings. I mean, yeah. they're apparently guys who pee in the end of their clubs. Um, I've seen so people
0: drive up onto the putting green with a golf cart before. I've yeah.
3: seen that. See, when I first started covering golf, I was petrified because I didn't understand the rules of the course very well. I got like, Nobody does. A very cool, but that's what I had to realize. So I was covering, I was running around with a camera trying to film all these guys golfing and I was always petrified to like drive across a fairway or go anywhere off the cart path and I'd see people buzzing around. I'm like, I can't do that. I would stop like every time they were taking a shot because I was afraid of making too much <laughs> noise. So I was like sneaking around in a golf cart as slow as I possibly good
2: well if you look at just on instagram and just look at funny swings there's hundreds of thousands of swings where you're just looking at like how does that even get to that position and then actually make contact i mean tony's a great example of that (laughs) of just seeing that golf swing (laughs) and the faces you pull with it as well the face that you that adam screenshotted (laughs) is the most beautiful picture i've ever seen (laughs) it's angry i don't even
0: know
1: what you're talking about but that's that's not unusual no, I think I think the funniest thing I've ever seen. I played with this guy, and I played with him quite a bit. But we were in um, in a match play championship, and uh, you know, he was we weren't playing each other, but we were out in the same group. And on the second tee box, I looked down, and I was like, "Chris, buddy, you know, you're wearing two different shoes, right?" He, kinda, he looked down, and he's like so yeah, apparently he just grabbed one of each out of his truck not paying attention and uh i've never let him forget it every time i see him so i'm like hey nice job i see you wearing the same shoes today good job i thought he was like maybe one of those like nfl kicker things where you've got like a plant shoe and a kick shoe i
0: don't i often see the same guy walk into a restaurant with like his spikes still on mm-hmm. i don't know if you know that guy yeah
2: here. he's a weird dude i guess this goes at a taste all the time with shoes on with spikes getting ready to play golf it's just yep. weird
0: always ready to play around never plays but he's always right. <clears throat> on
2: Beach.
3: Okay, guys, moving on. Um we love talking about when John Barber writes a story for the website and this week he was talking about the rise, the fall, and the subsequent potential re-rise of Wilson Golf. Tony, can you give us a little bit of a breakdown for those that haven't had a chance to read Barber's article yet?
2: Yeah,
1: so I guess so the article was about kind of Wilson Wilson Golf as a company in 2020. And it was really framed as a follow-up to a series he wrote, I want to say, like in 2015 or so. So quite a while ago, kind of a, a three-part article of the, the the rise and fall of Wilson and where they were at that time as they try and kind of make their way back to relevance. And so this week's article was, was kind of a fresh look at Wilson, where they are today, and, and kind of talked about kind of some of the highs and lows and some of the changes they've made to the business some of the initiatives like driver versus driver the, the success of that and some of the you know arguably some of the some of the pitfalls that came with it as well so it's I, w- I would characterize it as a just a kind of an overview of where Wilson stands today relative to where it was both historically and you know just a handful of years ago
3: question to anyone here where does Wilson stand today
0: mm,
2: well, I think better than they used to
0: well, it depends on what you mean by used to. I mean, back in the day, right. no, but 10 well, years back ago, back five years ago. Yeah. When Tony and I first got into my golf spot 10 years ago, they were in real disarray. They were, they didn't know who they were.
2: And how did that become?
0: The first story that Barbara told, I mean, honestly, what I would say is that series that Barbara wrote, I would advise any kind of golf historical, you know, golf gearhead to go read them. It's, they're really good stories, and they tell exactly how it happened. It was a longer process to get to where – when Tony and I first started, um, that slide happened a little bit slower, and it just got into a weird space where they were selling box sets, and you know, in Walmart's or wherever, um, they had become basically a box set company. Largely, yeah. I mean,
1: that was that was kind of the meat of their business. I mean, if you kind of look, it's it's one of those things where if you you try and pinpoint where it went wrong, it's it's a similar story to almost any time a brand goes wrong that that has like a legacy. It's just kind of. A, I would characterize it as a failure to adapt, right? So the the golf business changed, the golf marketplace changed. You had TaylorMade and Callaway who were innovating rapidly and, and making a lot of noise at, this, at, at the same time and, and uh, signing tour pros to contracts and things like that to really sort of bolster those brands. And Wilson sort of, for better or worse, was business as usual. And it just, you know, at some point they... They, they didn't just get passed, but they got kind of obliterated in the marketplace.
0: Well, and Wilson's a little bit unique, too. So you have to remember, they're not just golf. They're tennis. They're football. They're this. Baseball, they're that. Yeah. So as a company, if, if, you've, if you've got to prioritize things and golf isn't really moving the needle for you, you're not going to invest as much money as making footballs or whatever it is that's, that's making dollars for you, right? And I think Wilson has decided to invest you know, more into golf, and they've got new ownership now. And to be honest with you, one of the more interesting things is it's crazy to think that this is part of the success of a company now, like such a large part of the perceptual success, but their social media over the last couple of years. Massively improved. Yeah. And they they had probably the second best social media guy in the game at the time. And that was Corey Holloway. And the only person he was behind was the OG. And that was, you know, hashtag hashtag Chad Chad Coleman from Callaway, right? And both of those people made those companies for a large portion of what they became, what they were, you know? And yeah, it takes the people behind the scenes making all the stuff. But if, if visually you're not presenting what you're doing behind the scenes out in front of people, then people... They're not going to give a shit. Yeah. Well, and Corey did a great job. And um, he's no longer there anymore. He just left. So I'd be interested to see one what happens with that whole space Mm -hmm. and wilson but also look at callaway they lost um hashtag chad and i don't know who the hell is running callaway social media now but you can definitely tell a major drop off yeah
1: it's 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 kind of an interesting thing when you think about it right before the the rise of social media and and everything that it's become once upon a time your your customer service representative was really the the front line for your company that With the rise of social media, the front line has become the guy running the Twitter account or the Facebook account, the Instagram account. And if you don't have somebody in that position who, I think, one, knows how to represent your brand, understands the identity of the brand inside and out, but also maintains their humanity and comes across as an actual person... Then, then you're you're going to have difficulty succeeding. And I think you mentioned Corey, right? Kind of even if you didn't know that it was his face necessarily, you didn't know the name Corey Holloway. He he created a, a consistent message for Wilson, uh, and he was the guy that was out there working directly with golfers. Same thing with with Chad, arguably to a larger degree with Callaway. And you've seen both of those guys have disappeared. And you know Callaway, I think, is struggling a little bit. And I think Wilson for everything they've achieved and we'll talk more about the successes here in a minute. I think I think there's a risk of a drop off there just because Corey was so good
3: at what he did. I think it's understated how tough some of those social media positions can be. Uh, no matter what brand you worked for, I did it briefly, like here and there for the Patriots. I would take over on away games because I was there, I was covering it, and the amount of pressure that comes with getting just a post right. I think I did mostly Snapchat, and which you wouldn't think would be that popular, but good gracious, I mean, you, you're checking everything, and then your head is on the line. I'll be if honest, you do anything wrong. Like,
0: I almost don't want to hire a social media person. Not that we don't need one, but <laughs> <laughs> watch your mouth, Tony. <laughs> because I almost feel bad to hire someone for social media. It's a round-the-clock job. People don't understand. Mm-hmm. It's there is no Absolutely. off. Absolutely. I mean, if something happens with the business or something happens in the industry, you're expected to be on the you know punch the clock twenty-four-seven. Mm-hmm. Right? There are no weekends off. There are no days off. There are no hours off.
3: And they're front line too.
0: Yeah. So not only do they have to be on all the time, but they have to get it right exactly all the time. And as we can see from things that have even happened in the media today, somebody posted something on or retweeted something on social media today and they're losing sponsorships because of that. So you got to you got to be on all the time and get it right all the time. That's a tough job.
3: Especially when you represent big brands that have a lot of traction.
0: The burnout rate's got to be huge for that.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah. Well, those. I mean, Chad's not in the golf industry anymore, technically. Um,
0: no, but he's doing social
2: media he is think. but he's not in that golf media space not not really
1: i mean it's you know he's I, he might be doing a little bit but he's he's mostly kind of a strategy and relationships kind of guy now so um, all right well let's yeah you know ba- on, back, back
0: to, to Wilson.
3: <laughs> yeah back
0: to wilson and the positives and negatives right
3: adam you briefly touched on the wilson box sets they've moved away from that is that something that is a positive in their comeback or attempt at it yeah comeback I, I
0: think it's one of many things that Wilson is doing in a positive way to try to get back and not only be taken serious in the golf industry, but look towards their roadmap of the future, right? So perception is reality to a lot of people. And if, if people perceive you to be a box set company, which means they can walk into Kmart or Walmart and buy a whole set of Wilsons Mm -hmm. that you're selling junk, then guess what? Anything else that has the name Wilson on it to some of those people, you're going to be looked at as the junk seller, right? Right. So that made up I think 10 million dollars annually of their business.
1: They yeah, they they're taking a cut to not do that, but it's you're you're trading money for
0: credibility. Correct. So that's hard to drop off the table, right? Hey, 10 million, we got to give that up. But what you lost down the road is worth way more than 10 million in credibility like Tony said. So the other thing they did was they did the driver versus driver show and the driver versus driver 2 show. Now, there's some positive and negative there. There's no one that's going to say that that did not have more people talking about Wilson You're than ever
2: before. Yeah.
0: No one gave
1: a damn about Even Wilson.
2: if it was good or bad, they were still talking about Wilson.
0: Well, it's,
1: yeah, it was really strong play for for brand awareness. And, in fact, you know, I've talked to people who are with small and, and mid-sized brands, and they've even said they're like, I kind of wish we had thought of that. So, you know, certainly, there there's value in there.
0: It was a modern-day infomercial that lasted for a very long time. And was authentic. you know. There was yeah. some authenticity to it. But what ultimately resulted from it was a lot of coverage and then a driver that, once again, really tarnished their brand, the Triton. It was deemed non-conforming the day of release, which, was which just was a dagger to them. And then the second year, which was the year that we were on the show, uh, once again, a lot of coverage, a lot of talk about Wilson. They came out with a really good-looking driver, the it was, Cortex. It was really good but looking. it didn't perform and they took a lot from other companies to create that driver. It really wasn't something unique to Wilson. They took, they robbed a little bit here from there and there, and then they built a, well,
2: was it Wilson a, or was it the designer that was on the show? Uh, well, I think
0: you can't separate the two. I mean, right.
1: You don't, Somebody, yeah. I think at, at Wilson maybe should have stepped up and goes, yeah, you know what? This is, this is from a functioning functionality standpoint, kind of a more robust offering than we've, we've, had in the past and yeah I mean the the industrial design team that worked on that did a fantastic job of of making it look really good but at the end of the day what you had was a a driver that you know just looking at it right you immediately think hey this is this is tailor-made technology to a degree right it it looked like a tailor-made so you essentially spent the duration of this this driver versus driver 2 to create a product that ultimately looked like uh, one of the leading models on the market, and then from a performance standpoint, you know what we saw as a driver that just didn't hold up against
0: the leaders in in the marketplace, and and it was four hundred ninety nine dollars, five hundred, yeah,
1: five hundred dollar price tag. And granted, they did put a better stock shaft in it than than you typically get in the marketplace, so so credit there. But
0: it was it was basically two steps forward, three steps back, a little right. bit for them, right?
1: Yeah, my I think the the thing you have to look at and consider is. You know, it wasn't that many months, six, eight months down the road where this thing was just massively discounted. And when you're in a situation where you're trying to compete with the leaders, you're coming out with a $500 driver, uh, just like Callaway and TaylorMade had at the time, but X a number, you know, just a handful of months later, really six, eight months later, you're you're discounted steeply and those guys are still holding their price point. like. As a, as a golfer, as a guy who's got to go out and spend money, I'm going to think really hard about, about buying Wilson again because you, know, you, you don't want to see your product devalued. You don't want to feel like your purchase has been
0: devalued. Where I feel like Wilson is missing is I don't feel like they truly know their objective. Like what is your objective, right? If your objective is to be taken seriously. Then you come out with a four ninety nine driver, right? But, drive but it then before. you don't drop it down, and then then you look at their irons and their drivers, and I don't see a marriage of where they're going. I see like I see a bunch of going. ideas being thrown on the wall.
2: I know, I, I, I see, I think that the their line and the catering towards the older generation golfer, in my opinion.
0: I wouldn't disagree with that, but then you look at some of their irons that look like they're catering to the Gary Woodlands and a driver like a Cortex that's, but that's $500. But, the, but
2: that's like the one, the blade, that is just one product.
0: Here's the problem. That's what Wilson is known for, irons, okay? Over their history yeah. of their career, they're known for making good irons. And guess what? Tony will agree with this. They still make a damn good forged iron.
2: Oh yeah, the FG Tours are money.
0: They have performed well in our testing year after year, yeah. right? It's the other areas that I feel like they... They can't find a place to really truly hang their hat and they're taking a step forward and two steps back, right? They get some things right with driver versus driver and then they put out a Triton. Then they do driver versus driver too and come out with a Cortex that looks great, but they kind of took it from TaylorMade and it didn't perform that well.
2: But who? who what company has the whole package? I could probably name... Too.
0: I'm not talking about the whole package from a product standpoint, from top to bottom, as much as a business principle and theory. So it's like 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 a An Mizuno identity.
2: is known for their irons.
0: An identity. Yeah. I don't know Wilson's true identity,
1: and that's where if right. you look where you know, and they were still strong in the market. So I don't want to overstate this, but. There was there was a window there where where TaylorMade seemed almost lost, right? When where they weren't the number 1 driver in golf. And that was their whole identity was built on that and they've kind of course corrected and and sort of found a kind of a new identity or reestablished themselves with with different principles, I guess you'd say, whereas Whereas Wilson is still kind of, it feels like hopping around trying to figure out exactly who they are in, in the modern market.
0: And I think that's because they have, they are tennis. They are this, they are that. And some of their designers that work on golf clubs are also working on tennis rackets. Like it's hard to dedicate yourself to just specifically golfers and know your identity when you have three other identities. It's it's like multiple personalities. You know. The upside
1: is there are there are people who love the Wilson brand and are extremely sure. loyal to it. So, you know, guys who remember Wilson when it was great and see it as as still great. And you know, but so what what does that
0: mean? What does that mean? Like when somebody is loyal to a brand, like it's kind of like Ben Hogan, right? What are you loyal to anymore? A name? A a, a signature it's on a club? It's
2: the name.
1: It is. It's true, right? It's you know. It's brands are powered by people and and people come and go and and when those people come and go like brands fundamentally change the products change and things like that but there's there's a legacy and a heritage with Wilson that still to this day if if your measurement is majors
0: one exceeds any other in golf so okay but you can't just keep relying on that sooner or later you got to have a true identity in 2020 not 1920 you know
1: And again, it's I mean, it's a it's a much different marketplace than it was there. There's there's steeper competition and louder voices, for sure. So, yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah,
3: Barbara alluded to this in the story. They had a change in ownership like four times in a like a very concise amount of time. I would imagine that would lead you directly to an identity crisis
0: it can't it doesn't help, I wouldn't say, yeah,
1: I think you know different owners have probably different objectives and and allocate different resources, so even even one owner as a new owner is a disruption. if it continues to happen and things like that yeah it's 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 tough
3: so how does Wilson get back on track? How do they find their identity? Are they already on track? They just have to keep going
1: I, I think progress is being made, and I think I would guess. I mean, certainly they learned from the Triton debacle, and my guess is they've they've taken something away from Cortex as well. And again, the iron the iron lineup is strong, right? So there's there's nothing to nitpick there, and the wedges perform solidly. Their putters are inexpensive and offer value, and so you know they're not really competing in a premium space there, but they have something with some appeal. The metalwoods. This is kind of where they they kind of bounce back and forth between like a D series slash launch pad now, where it's kind of for slower swing speed or with a game improvement slant. And it's and this is a challenge other brands struggle with too: is how do I how do I reach the better player with my metalwoods? And I mean, I don't I don't have that answer because I mean it's it's just very very difficult when you look at the domination of. Callaway and and TaylorMade and and Ping which kind of has a broader reach and Titleist which is whether they want to have it exclusively or not sort of has an identity as a club for a better player so to to enter that space when you haven't been there legitimately in quite some time is exceedingly difficult
2: you know so this is this is this is what I would do is I would get out of the driver industry for two years
0: you can't do that Why, why not because then you instantly aren't taken serious as a, from.
1: Yeah, a, no, and that, that's that's basically that's that's throwing your hands up and going, we can't compete, and that's going to resonate quickly.
2: Well, no, I no, I, I would disagree. I would say that if if you are saying we're going to get this right and we're going to come back even better, when you come back. Yes, it has to be very good, but when it comes back, you're going sell a lot I don't think it's product. the
0: driver that's keeping them from that. Nec- I don't think the golfer looks at their drivers and goes, that's what's keeping Wilson from not having an identity. It's the whole company. It's the whole everything. It's We see the performance of their drivers and go, this isn't up to par with the yeah. best drivers, right? But the average golfer, I don't think, walks into a store and goes, that is what I'm identifying as why I don't
1: take they Wilson series. They see it series.
3: as a baseball or a football company
1: yeah well and that's i mean their their whole identity is built around you know we're the brand with the most majors that's traditionally been the wilson staff identity and while that remains true it's it's just not sort of a thing that that moves the needle like it used to
0: well let let me ask you a question when was the highest percentage of those wins acquired
1: Uh well before my time that's for sure
3: <laughs> all right guys well it, it sounds like we've got a lot of differing opinions, but uh, bottom line is you should go read Barbara's series. Yeah. I mean, look, website. after
0: all that's being said, like, I think Wilson is moving in a be- much better direction than they have been in a very long time. I still just don't think they have an identity. And I think that does come down to the fact that they have a lot of masters to serve, right? Mm-hmm. They've got football, they've got tennis, they've got all these sports. Golf
2: is just another sport
3: well we spent an extended amount of time at their booth at the pga show and they seemed eager to want opinions they want to do better
2: yeah i, I want to say some of some of the time they're going against what has already been put out there to try and make and some noise
3: okay it, i think i know what you're referring to yeah. the...
2: well they said that soft right is long or, or is not slow or, you know well, they
0: sa- look that is the thing where we came up with a statement based on what we've facts seen. and physics and things like that and they have a lineup that has nothing but soft golf balls in it what are you gonna say like you mm. you you can't just dump all your inventory and throw it in the trash yeah, like, and go, well my golf spy said soft is slow so we're out of business for the golf ball they gotta say something if you're all in on soft you can't just go well well shit i guess that's that
1: <laughs> you kind of have to re- reframe the conversation i think they've done a good job of it but at the end of the day you know the the ball speed numbers are what they are the correlation is what it is and you know, at that point, not to get too far off track, if you're going to get distance out of a soft ball, the way to do it is through reduced spin. And while that can have benefits off the driver for for a guy who doesn't hit the ball particularly high to begin with and doesn't generate a lot of spin to begin with, once you get that ball on the rest of the golf course, it can be problematic. That's, yeah, you know, that's just reality.
3: Okay. Let's let's move on to something else. We'll table the Wilson discussion and just say, go read Barbara's series. We want to talk some news this week as well. There's been some contract shakeups on tour, uh, but probably most notably Justin Rose was snapped with tailor-made irons in his bag instead of Honma.
1: Jonathan Wall at golf.com I think probably uh, mm-hmm. broke that story. He tends to break a lot of the tour equipment stories. Uh, yeah, so that that's kind of it. I believe he had a tailor-made driver in play last week, and then this week at, at Bay Hill has has made irons in the bag as well. Uh, and I think, he, I mean, he's just he's been under contract with Holma just over a year, so this is this is certainly something is up.
3: Well, and within that year, he went number one, right? While he was playing,
1: well, he was early in the year, so kind okay. of during that transition. And I think he won very early on with him, but he's since fallen. Uh, number 13 in the world now mm-hmm. so there may be concern there there may be something else going on like who knows um
2: but wait wasn't wasn't he with TaylorMade before he went to honma he was he was a TaylorMade so, guy. so so it's kind of like going to a girlfriend i knew this getting was back was with your say. ex or, and, then, <laughs> and then saying oh actually yeah, you're not all I thought you were. You were excited at first, but now you're not. I'm going to go back market, to my, ex, mar- my Market
1: conditions being what they are, it's unlikely, as, as Rick Young kind of hinted at, that uh, TaylorMade will uh, will welcome him back with a paycheck of any kind. Just well, not... tell
2: me about like the money that Honma paid for him to go to Honma. Like, yeah, did he I get mean, any of that back? Does, does he feel bad that he spent, what is it, 30 million or f- whatever it was?
1: I mean, who knows? Who knows? And, and I'm guessing that that's going to get... You know, they will be these these ten these type of contracts when they when they go south in the middle tend to be, you know, both parties mutually agreeing to part ways and nobody really understanding the whole story. So, you know, who knows?
2: I mean, he can send some money to me if he likes. I mean, we're both English. Yeah, I mean, it, it,
1: who knows what it is, right? Maybe maybe it's equipment related. Maybe it's maybe it's a personal thing. Like, honestly, who knows? We know that on the Monday after Bay Hill, Honma and maybe Justin Rose, too, are going to put out a statement kind of clarifying the relationship. And my expectation is the clarification will be that the relationship is over and that both parties wish each other well. And, uh, you know, we, we may not know for a while if ever what actually happened.
3: Why, why is that a big deal, though? I would imagine tour guys probably change up their bag all the time if they're playing a certain way or feeling this or that is it unusual for something like this to happen i think what's
0: unusual is the fact that honma and justin rose when honma was you know trying to take on north america right they hitched their wagon to justin rose you know really as their their new uno the guy and for the guy to leave the company after a very short period of time for the being the guy that that, that's a red flag that pops up to at least the people out there that were thinking, hey, is Honma going to be, are we going to take Honma serious as a golf company, a golf club company? Oh, Justin Rose, they got it. That's why they pay the Justin Roses, right? So that golfer's look and go, I'm going to take that brand serious. So now our golfer's going, mm, I don't know if I'm going to take them serious if their guy left that early.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, but he wasn't a guy. He was the guy, Honma's only guy. And so, if it if it does turn out that he is, they're parting ways, and he doesn't have Honma in the bag anymore, it's going to be kind of interesting to see where the company goes from here. As it it tries to ramp up North American operations, right? It's opening fitting centers and things like that, and and maintain kind of that that credibility that, to some degree, you need to you have through having elite professionals play your stuff.
0: Yeah, and if I'm looking around going, should I take home a serious, hmm, Justin Rose leaves, their driver's okay, their irons are okay. I mean, you you really got, in this industry, there's there's four or five big companies, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to play in that sandbox, you got to come out with something pretty damn stellar. I mean, right. PXG-like, right? Like, you got to slap people across the face.
1: Well, it's, it's an interesting kind of risk when you think about it, right? Signing somebody like Justin Rose who you know, at the time was in, in the top handful of players and early in the year, last year was number one. That gives you instant credibility. But in a situation like this, and again, we, we won't know until Monday how this is going to be framed, but if the one guy who gives you credibility at that level leaves, what do you have left, right? Now, now all of a sudden, you it's sort of a, a net loss because you were, hey, this is a brand I've never heard of, I don't know hey, Justin Rose is playing this stuff. It must be pretty good. Oh, Justin Rose isn't playing it anymore. It must be terrible, right? And that's, you know, there, there's generally always something else that goes on behind the scenes and that, that line of thinking doesn't always match reality. But, I mean, perception, like you said, perception is often taken as reality. And I think that's ultimately how something like this is will be perceived every time.
2: Well, it's perceived in my eyes that, hey, they offered this much amount of money. I'll be stupid not to. And then see how it goes from there, and if I don't like it, I'll get out.
1: Well, and you keep in mind too this, this was his Honma deal, and again, the, the Honma guys, a lot of them I mean Mark King isn't there anymore, but John Kawaja is you know essentially running the show. He was a longtime tailor-made guy. There's a couple other longtime tailor-made guys there so there was there was a connection to begin with uh, and the other part of that though is that tailor-made cut back tour spend in a big way. So it's it's possible they, they weren't willing to pay Justin Rose at the time what, what Honema was. And so it made sense for him to move on, especially if the company was willing to tailor the irons to him and allow him to sort of work his way into the metalwoods and the other stuff. It's a 10 club deal from what I understand. So he had some wiggle room. So the driver coming out of the bag, obviously if you're Honma you don't love that, but you can kind of stomach it. But when the irons come out of the bag, it's yeah something's up
3: i mean i know this happens in every sport across the board but it is just crazy to me that you could have a preference in driver or iron or something and because you have signed a contract with somebody and you might be a better player with a different club you're then contractually obligated to use a certain money 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 Uh, well i know it's money but it just to me like
2: well look at brooks Kepka. he's the guy that is a perfect example uh, example well let me put let's
0: put this in perspective though yeah, Brooks Kepka is the guy that people think about that goes agnostic and plays whatever he wants. But mm-hmm. I think Brooks Kepka was also a guy that I heard about shopping around a big number to all the brands too to get paid by somebody to play one single brand. So for the guy out there that's Mr. Brand Agnostic, he would also have been Mr. Whatever Brand would have paid him the most.
2: Mm. And that's and that's just a real real world scenario. I mean, he put out like $50 million. If someone gives me $50 million to do it, hell yeah, you'd be stupid not to. It. I don't think Fair. it's going to hurt his game that that much just because he's that good so when it comes to it i think right now he's very happy with what he's doing um and the brands he's playing in the in there well and it's
1: i mean that's kind of the perfect storm situation where you you had a guy kept perfect example whose whose value just kind of shot up exponentially as he kind of went on a tear winning majors and is always competitive in a major it seems like over the last couple years so he's getting not only TV time, but he's, he's getting TV time during those rare windows when people are actually watching golf on TV. So he, he is a massive opportunity, but at the same time that his kind of star rose, the market kind of fell out on, on tour contracts with the, with the collapse of Nike and, and TaylorMade cutting back on spending. So brands just aren't spending like they used to. Those, uh, those, you know I almost refer to them as drunken Rory McIlroy and Tiger Wood type Nike deals and even to an extent those tailor made deals and you know brooks is is neither tiger nor nor Rory from well think I think, I think he's so.
2: I think he's earned wherever he goes from, I think he's earned the respect to actually do that and and sell out for that much money.
3: Well, at the end of the day, it's what
0: the mark it's what the market's willing to pay, right? I mean, that's like if you want to sell your car, it's worth what it's worth, right?
1: Five years ago, Brooks would be sitting on a massive contract. Now those those massive contracts just just don't, don't exist. exist anymore, unless you're Tiger, unless you're Ricky Fowler, and maybe Rory McIlroy.
0: Part of the reason they don't exist is because when you talk to the golf golf companies that have paid those huge money sums, large sums of money to these golfers, they don't really know if it was worth it or not.
2: Well yeah, was, yeah.
0: There's no real way to quantify. No. I pay this guy 100 million, here's what it actually ROI meant for me at the other end. So, mm-hmm. right now, there there was a big adjustment when the Nike thing happened and the TaylorMade thing happened, everybody kind of pulled back and went, you know what? Like, we need to really take a look at how much we're spending and what we're actually making from it.
1: Well, and I think there's there's kind of a fundamental shift at play too, right? Um, if you're when when Nike launched tiger gave them instant credibility and rory added to the credibility and their whole philosophy was we want guys who win majors right that's that was kind of the the definition of a nike athlete and not every one of them won majors but that was kind of their objective was to to find guys they thought could win majors i mean even lucas glover won a major as a nike athlete so there's some things like that for for most of the rest of the the industry now, it's, it's about having just enough guys to give you credibility and high-profile guys that give you credibility. But is does TaylorMade, does the perception of TaylorMade increase any if they sign Brooks Kepka? They already have Tiger and Rory. You're like, where do you go from there, right? Um, Callaway, you could argue, maybe doesn't have that the, the same caliber of tour staff, but they rack up wins and they have big-name players and everybody knows the name.
0: At the end of the day, let's say it's your money you're spending, right? And you're paying the guy 5,000 bucks. You're hoping he makes you more than that back, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember being in retail when Tiger was on tour with Nike. People were calling, not for Nike clubs, they were calling for Scotty Cameron putters, and that's it. But that guy was moving the needle with Scotty Cameron putters. So nowadays, who's calling going, hey, I want those irons, whatever golfer is playing. There's not somebody, There's not a huge... Tiger is the needle, You know, and there's not many other people moving the needle to the point where you can go, hey, I'm willing to pay you five thousand because I know it's gonna make me six thousand. They don't there's not really many people out there on tour that are doing I've said
1: it before, I'll say it, I'll probably say it a hundred more times, but it it's Tiger, it's Ricky Fowler, and then it's everybody else. And maybe you can put Rory a little bit ahead of the, the the everybody else, but that's pretty much the pecking order, and no matter no matter how many majors Brooks wins, or maybe there is a point where he wins enough majors where he is not part of that everybody else, but right now, from a, if, if you went out and you talked to guys in, that sort of work in tour player operations and assign value to professional golfers, you know, is, there, is there value to be had signing somebody like Brooks at his asking price? I think to a man, they'd tell you no. So free agency,
0: that's, that's part of it. So he became a free agent. There you go.
3: Well, we won't know until Monday whether the Justin Rose and Honema thing is a mutual agreement or if he's just going rogue <laughs> or whatever. It's definitely
1: happening. a mutual agreement. It's <laughs> always, everybody always mutually agrees to part ways. You're not going to be, yeah, that guy's a dick, so we ditched him. <laughs> You're not going <laughs> to. <laughs> Wouldn't
0: that be awesome if you had to tell the truth?
2: And, this will like, go down happened. that
3: route. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we do know that PXG officially mutually ended their relationships with Billy Horschel and Chez Uh So what are our thoughts about that just right off the bat?
1: That one is a lot easier to explain, which is kind of a nice thing to be able to do in a situation like this.
3: Okay, go for it.
1: So, obviously, anytime something like hap- this happens, the, all of Twitter goes nuts and goes, ah, you know, that it's the equipment, it's garbage, and these guys are finally smartening up to that. Well, Ches Reavy's been with PXG all of two months, and his world rank hasn't changed at all from the beginning of the year. Billy Horschel has been playing about to his career average, if you look at ranks somewhere in the mid-30s. What actually happened here was that uh, PXG and uh, Matt Rollins, I, I forget his Title. I think you probably have his official title, Miranda, Let's in front see, of you.
3: PXG's bit. director of tournament player relations.
1: There you go. So Matt was basically the guy in the van, for lack of uh, mm-hmm. more clarity, and he was instrumental in bringing a lot of these guys over to PXG, especially in the early days. He worked, Matt worked with PXG, uh, Billy Horschel, going all the way back to when Billy was with um, with Ping. So there's a long established relationship. These guys trust Matt, and when Matt and PXG parted ways, we don't have the details on that, I'll just assume it was also a mutual agreement, uh, a couple of Matt guys, Matt's guys went with him, and I think that's understandable if you kind of look at what happens with, with tour players and where their, their critical relationships are. I think the caddy, obviously, the, the player-caddy relationship is is probably number one, and then number two on that is probably your the player and the guys in the tour van. So... If, if the brand you rep takes your tour van guy away and, and you're loyal, it kind of makes sense that you would, you would also leave. So as of right now, Billy Horschel has confirmed that he is not with PXG, but still playing the equipment, which isn't unusual. We're heading into the meaty part of the golf season right now, and it would be borderline reckless to make a change right now. Justin Rose situation notwithstanding. Um, so I wouldn't expect any big changes there, but... Yeah, this, this seems to be, if nothing else, just a reminder that as, as much as we talk about golf equipment and it being the driving force and what guys decide to do on tour, the reality here is that this is just a reminder that people matter.
2: Well, why does following a guy who builds clubs, and yes, he could, he's, he'll be an awesome guy and that kind of stuff, but if you're playing fine with the brand that you're at... Why leave? Why leave? Because... Yes, everyone. Th- those guys are all equally as good at making clubs and make it to your specs. That kind of I think stuff. Think what
0: really Tony useful. just said at the very end is what the reasoning is. Like, at the end of the day, for some people, people matter, right? And
3: so, is there some speculation that Matt Rollins had an issue with P X G? So, oh no, no, no. He's, oh, okay.
0: What Tony's referring to is the fact that Billy Horschel and Chez Revi their their buddy was Matt Rollins. And when Matt Rollins went, that dude mattered to them. So they went...
2: So it's a bit like being in a football team and your manager goes and the manager likes you or you like him, vice versa, and you follow where he goes. It's like in anything in life.
1: Yeah, and he's, I mean, as we as I said, Billy's still playing the PXG for now. That, that could change. But I think this is, if anything else, kind of a, a statement of loyalty and saying, look, you know, it's... My relationship with this brand was every bit about as much about my relationship with the guys in the van as it was with the clubs. And so okay. hey, when you're, when your guy on the, on the inside goes, and again, in, in Billy's case in particular, this is not, this, this relationship precedes PXG, you know, Billy and Matt worked together when, when Matt worked for Ping and, and
0: Billy. But, I understand the question from Harry though. Like I if you're talking, too, yeah. let's say $10 million and your buddy goes, Hey man, like I know we work together, but you know, I'm out of here. And I'm you still go, yeah. Screw that ten million, man. I'm going with you yeah. for no million. Right. You know, that's I get. I get the questioning. I think.
1: I think Billy's probably at the level where one, he's he's collecting enough week to week, right? He's making cuts. He's collecting paychecks that you know the he doesn't necessarily need the sponsorship dollars. That's not to say he doesn't want them, but um, he he certainly he's not going to go broke because of this by any stretch. And, and the other thing is, look, if there will come a time where somebody's going to offer him another deal, he may. He could go back to ping, who knows. Maybe he'll replace Justin Rose as Holmes's guy. Uh, there's all kinds of options here. So I think I think this is just one of these things where it was like and this is pure speculation, but my thought process thought process is that for those guys like Matt was their guy, period. And as soon as that ceased to be the case, and you know, that was the relationship was not what they needed it to be anymore i guess it's probably the best way i can put it
0: yeah i guess the circle of trust gets smaller and smaller at that level right when you get up to the pga tour level yeah because the there's cir- only a
2: handful amount of guys that well no the circle that. of
0: people that you trust around you your your yeah, your fair. team or your people yeah. right they all kind of have a team and if that was really a part of your team from the beginning you go with your team and that's i mean and matt
1: yeah, is I almost universally as far as i can tell i've only you know one person passing comment that didn't love him but you know for the most part most everybody will tell you that matt is just a great guy and he's the kind of guy you want to be around and you want to work with and so you know if, if he's your guy and your guy's not there anymore maybe you don't want to be
0: there anymore either there you leave i'm following you okay okay okay
2: well you followed me last week so <laughs> i followed you up? out though we came back all
3: right guys anything else we want to talk about today
2: i got my first pro event on saturday Yay. this weekend yeah sweet gonna be talk cold. about that where are we at it's called royal new kent um it's it's like a i'm just using it as a warm-up to go um to the the g pro tournaments and the swing thought tournaments
0: What does this one run through
2: just a one day um is it a swing thought tour no it's just a local uh pro tour around it's um, the
3: first time you're officially called a pro
2: yeah, apart from signing it on that piece of paper that's apparently how you turn pro <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was a lot more of a process a PGA, the pga like a- the pga's teaching side yeah you have to do a lot more we can make a bigger deal about it yeah just yeah. like i used to
3: do with uh, high school athletes when i worked in alabama they'd have their signing days for whatever college they were going to we can give you a signing day if you want
2: yeah too late i've already signed apparently. Oh, already signed it oh no i've already ticked the box that says i'm a pro or an <laughs> yeah. amateur on the no uh, on website digital it is yeah so that works
3: less fun though
2: uh so yeah be fun i mean it's gonna be cold but i'm just trying to get as many reps out there as possible and just see how it goes and so you're saying
1: it's a process and you're you're getting in your reps
2: that's what pros say these days right harry
0: always harry always says that and then he ends up doing really well he tries that's
1: that's the tiger line it's a process just putting in reps
2: well I, i tony i will i will give a shout out i have not changed my equipment but i have changed my equipment in a way um so i will explain? be making an announcement to my two fans on social media
0: <laughs> um, no actually i think you need to do a what's in the bag like i'm not a big fan of those but your bag is your change you made it's a cool setup
2: yeah yeah i mean do you want me to announce
3: it yeah go ahead yeah all right now well, i'm you're curious. particular too I, in fact i was gonna ask you
1: this is maybe the only thing you've ever said that I'll care about. So That's true. <laughs> wow. Okay, well, whoa. That is
2: ruthless. I mean, I, I get this every Jesus. week from
3: Tony. I felt the ice through the <laughs> yeah. Skype in that Jeez.
0: All right, so. Let's so start with the driver. What do you got?
2: Uh, i got gone a tailor-made SIM. That's a Ooh. change, right? That's a change from okay. the G400 LST.
0: Tailor-made SIM, which which model?
2: Just the regular SIM. Okay, what's
1: yeah. that? The, the sliding weight Cortex looking one?
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, I have gone to the more motor x motori x motor x <laughs> f1 Mortar. i presume motoric yep it's the uh it's the 70 gram x mm. um 70 gram x it's shorter i mean you hit it too it's one of those ones that's shorter than my driver that i was using in the G400. Yeah, it looks like
0: 44 and three quarter maybe
2: it's 44 and a half i believe okay. i measured it out as, and it's oh uh, i can go after it and it's just a baby fade
1: mm. somebody just miscut the shaft and you're like fine this works i don't care
0: Probably it was. It could have yeah. been you, Tony. <laughs> All right, so we got a driver for TaylorMade Sim. What are you playing for Woods? For your other Woods?
2: TaylorMade M5 with a um, Black Ventus 90 ground. You got
0: rid of the rocket balls.
2: I got rid of the rocket balls. So are you tiring. on the payroll? Jesus, hold on. Yeah, might be <laughs> five wood. No five wood. Okay. Two iron.
0: Two iron. What are you playing right. for the two iron? Strixon, Strixon
2: U85. The Zubs. The Zubs. It's I. I can't find about one out there with a. Uh, the Fujikura Pro Pro series 95 gram in there. Okay the
0: the cool thing was one first tell what model of irons you're playing.
2: Well the irons in general I'm playing Z 585s and 785. Okay, you got a combo set of strikes on. Yeah.
0: But what did you just change? The shaft change out was was cool.
2: Yeah. So I changed the shafts out from steel to graphite. And from you put Fujikura, in Fujis, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Fujikura um, pro series 1 teens right 115 or 117s one, one yeah but 3-1-1-5. the steel fight steel fiber tips um i'm playing them straight in i'm not tipping them or anything like that it's it's just straight in and well holy shit we it's, tested them out the other day man and i'm i'm hitting the same ball flight every single time same spin rate every time it feels it's, better it's I'm lighter kinda, Graphite unbelievable. iron
1: shafts are the future it's just i feel like that future is way down the road because golfers are stubborn
2: yeah well, but then i went back to, and then i went back to my because i put it in my seven iron to see if i liked it first and then i went back to my 130 x100s and i'm like why did i ever do this because it was so heavy and i couldn't i felt like i couldn't control it after i was been swinging these so i'm, I'm really happy with the change that and I got you're inside. flighting
0: these balls probably better
2: yep and i might put that out i'm i pured the shafts or or flowed the shafts yep um to get the spine angle oh boy uh, fuji's gonna
0: yell at you
1: for that they don't believe in it
2: (laughs) i know but i put them in i can feel a difference and that's me personally i can feel i can convince yourself
1: of anything no it's i mean i'm it's like i i played graphite for a while and then went away from it and i went i went to look at kind of getting back in and because i played recoil 125s not the protos protos i just didn't mesh well with me but the the standard 125s and turns out they don't make them anymore so that's you know i'm still trying to find something in that that 120 125 range yeah just just not there right now
2: but the here's another thing is the wedges i've got rtx 4s and they're cleveland's but i need an i'm gonna get a new new set um so I'm potentially just gonna re-up the uh, RTX fours and buy some more of those, but I'm gonna put the MCI 125 graphite iron wedges from Fuji again in there too. And I hit them at the show, and I was my eyes just I I had I was lost for words pretty much because I could flight them down, I can hit them high, I could do whatever I needed to do, come in low, spin it up there, and I could literally just do anything. Um, and yes, you could probably do that with an S 400 or 300 or whatever it is, but I felt so much more confident with these shafts. It's in the there.
1: future, man. Graphite is the future in steel shafts. It's the future, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is. Like I'm just,
0: <laughs> Oh, I love it. I
1: love it. <laughs> I love
0: graphite.
2: I love graphite. It's,
3: I love it. But yeah, just so I, I, works.
2: I've, I've, <laughs> Been very happy with the switch. And then, All right,
0: so we got the driver, we got the woods, we got the irons, we got the wedges. What do, what do we got for a putter?
2: So this is the biggest one I've struggled with is my puttin. And I've gone to an arm lock putter, which is the PXG closer. Jesus Christ. Well,
0: he had trouble with path, you know? I
2: did. My path was everywhere.
0: This this short him up pretty quick. So
3: it, I'll tell you, I beat him in a putting contest once. He challenged wow. me yeah, and I won.
2: That's how bad I got. Uh-huh. My wife beat me. What? But she's pretty good though. Sexist, man. She is pretty good.
3: Yeah. Hey. And then, yeah, um, hey, and, then wait we, a second, and then we, and then <laughs> we. What did you say? What you say about? And me? then we went to,
2: and then we played putt putt, and I, I destroyed her. Yeah, I got distracted. So it was that was the really. Hey, test. Barbara beat us at putt putt. Yeah, that's true. Barbara's <laughs> sneaky good.
3: Wait, I have an idea. Okay. So it's his first pro event. Can Matt and I go out, cameraman and reporter? Hell yeah. And get a post-round interview. No. Yeah. <laughs> one on one. No. I got
1: a question well, for that you. That should be yes. exciting TV right there.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a question for you. Or will you be taking CBD or yes. not? You will. Oh yeah. So you won two tournaments in a row with CBD, right?
2: Yeah. So the crazy thing when I started CBD is eleven out of my twelve events or twelve rounds in t- competition was under par. Uh, I I want to I have to give it some credit as well because I felt so much more relaxed around the course and those pressure situations where my you know, squeaky bum time would come in. It didn't.
0: <laughs> yep, exactly. CBD um, keeps you from having squeaky bum time. It you know does. What I'm
2: saying? Hey, that's a marketing tool. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: still don't know what squeaky bum time squeaky is. Squeaky
0: bum <laughs> means your asshole tightens yeah. up like that ah, when you okay, get nervous. Okay,
3: okay.
2: <laughs> but the biggest the biggest um, one that m- most people want to know about is my ball that I'm playing.
0: Yes, what ball are you so playing? So I have
2: changed. I limited down to Titleist, Bridgestone, and Strixon.
3: This is a change too, yes? This is a change okay. too.
2: And I was playing the Titleist Pro V1X, went to the Pro V, then did a head-to-head test of ball speed and then took him out to the greens and did that way. I was two miles an hour faster with the Strixen Z-Star XV. And one mile Mark an hour Crossfield
0: the... loves you right now. That's all yeah, I got to he say. Does. I mean, he's sitting there going,
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, Put yeah. some launches in your bag too. <laughs> I'm gonna... We're all going to get texts
1: from Bridgestone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but Bridgestone, look, it's a great ball. I just couldn't spin it around the greens. Yeah. And, the new one? The new one. I cannot do it. I don't know why. I just The way I'm delivering it to the club every time, uh, to the ball, sorry, I could not spin it and it frustrated me. But the the, the Strixon was just, I could do, I could get the ball spit off the tee, and the consistent spin rates and the spin around the greens. well. If you're
0: gonna be between three balls, shoes, those, those are all. Those oh, for sure, yeah. Good, those so. are
2: all one of the best ball, well, are the best balls on the market, in my opinion. Cross so yeah, that's is, that's my bag.
0: He's he's all in right. love with you right now. I, I don't even play golf anymore. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> all
1: right,
2: so
0: Saturday, I'm excited now. I want to get out there Saturday and watch you.
2: It's a long way. I wouldn't go. It's not a long it's way. It's like far. forty-five minutes.
3: Yeah, well,
0: I'll get buff out there.
2: Make it a
3: company <laughs> outing.
0: What's what's
1: the name of the golf course again? Because it sounds like it ought to be in England.
2: Royal, yeah, Royal New Kent. It's it's like, Royal no New joke. Ken. Roy, Royal New Can. It's no joke. It's one of the best courses I've ever played. Because re- what it is one of the best courses I've ever played. Are you kidding me? The greens are unbelievable. The complexes.
0: Tony, first of all, on half the drives that you hit, there has a what do they call the flags that they use? The, the extended flags. poles. Because they're hidden tee shots on half the holes that you have these aiming yeah. holes in the fairways. Where did
2: I grow up? They're, Links
0: golf. The hills on this course, I mean, it's like a putt-putt course where you go and you go, oh, they got two windmills on a hole. <laughs> it's a two windmill
2: <laughs> This course, golf course. is. I love this course. Are there, yeah, are there like spots where you
1: That's can kind of hit it into a hole on the, on the far side of the fairway and have it trickle onto the green? They have huge greens too, right? <laughs> yeah, the greens like, are massive.
2: Huge. Just, I love that course. It's an interesting course. It's really, it, it's a lot of fun. I mean, you have to think your way around, which is why I love, I mean, growing up in Lynx golf courses, I had to think what tee shot to hit, what iron off the tee. Yes, it's a second shot hot, um, course because you have to get on the right plateau. and. Yep. But the greens are rolling 11 on a stint with the slope. It's, it's literally like so I know,
0: I know you don't usually like to brag. You're a good golfer. Obviously, you're doing your first pro event, but... Any expectations you have for the first pro round? First round?
2: Uh, none really. None. I I I just want to go out and see where en- you stand. Enjoy tournament condition golf again because I it's been a while since I've done tournament. It's been about a, you know okay. seven nope. eight months. So I just want to go out there and have some fun and. Well, you
1: won like club you know. championship and stuff, right?
2: I won an amateur event, a club championship, which I was pretty happy with because I'm the guy I beat in the last the last round. He played in the mini tours for 10 years and made a living out of it. So he's a very decent golfer. Very um, decent. Very decent. English is not my strong language. <laughs> uh but yeah, I mean I've I've played in some tournaments in amateur level and finished in top 10s in some really good events. But those guys who are finishing up up there are literally a full-time golfers and just on the amateur circuit they they don't have a job they have businesses and they just let everyone else do it so they're really good golfers um so i was pretty happy the way i was conducting myself on the on the course
0: all right well we predict a very decent round
2: great thanks. and i'll be there no pressure
3: with the microphone post-round.
2: yeah i'll see you, you there your first
3: one-on-one
2: mm-hmm. all right this is where we end it so all right we out guys we out. <laughs> <laughs> bye